0: Today you've joined hundreds of established and emerging writers who are discovering ways to reach their writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. You're listening to Ann Croker, Writing Coach. This is episode 213, How to Hook and Hold Your Readers. If you didn't click to listen to this first sentence, I failed. If we want to hook readers and hold their attention so they read all the way to the end, we have to generate an intriguing title or headline. Book titles, chapter titles, article titles, essay titles, poems, they all need names or titles that invite the reader to stop skimming and scrolling and think, huh, I wonder what this is about or, ooh, I need this information. I opened up Feedly when I was preparing this podcast and stopped on an article at The Right Practice titled, How to Find the Core Message of Your Writing, because it was clear and it seemed relevant to the kinds of things I like to read. I also stopped on an article by Emily P. Freeman entitled, How to Find and Become a Good Listener. That sounded useful to help me as a coach and to help me have better relationships with family and friends. Consider James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. The main title intrigues me with that word combination, atomic, connected with habits. His subtitle is, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. Then he includes a little tagline that clarifies it further, tiny changes, remarkable results. That sounds like a doable approach to this topic of habits, doesn't it? He hooked me with his title and subtitle combo. So we have to entice our readers to click on the link or open the book by capturing that first concept in a few words that hints at or outright reveals the subject, the topic, the theme, or the problem that we're going to address in the piece. Let's say you nailed it. You lure them in with the headline. Well, now it's time to really hook them, to grab them by the throat, as novelists often say. Bring on the attention grabber. It's that first line or two that's going to keep them reading. When I taught composition and essay writing to high school students, I'd offer attention grabber ideas, like a startling statistic or a quote, a question, an intriguing statement or claim, or a story, And that could be an anecdote that stands alone. It could be a personal story or someone else's story. That article about finding the core message of your writing starts, Why do you write? And that's a question any writer is going to be instinctively inclined to answer, at least in his head. So the author, Joe Bunting, has probably hooked us, at least for the moment. Our mind is engaged with the question, so it's a good attention grabber. Emily P. Freeman's article on finding and becoming a good listener has an epigraph. It's a quote from Dr. Larry Crabb about listening to each other. And then she starts her actual article with a story. It's 2012, she begins, and there's a stack of brochures in the little room I type in. I keep staring over at them, rereading their invitation. To know more about you, if you would like to be informed of upcoming events... I reach over and I turn the plastic holder to face the wall. I cannot keep reading that same brochure over and over again. So what's going to happen? Why is this brochure featured so prominently in this story? Is she going to take action? Is it going to change her? And what does this have to do with listening? So you can see how stories are great for hooking readers. They're great attention grabbers. They awaken curiosity and they open a loop that we must close. We want to know what happens and how it ends. So Emily has hooked me. You too can use stories. And here's a bonus tip. If you start far enough into a situation, the action engages effectively to hook the reader, but you can leave it hanging so that you complete the story in the conclusion. And then that provides closure that really satisfies and gratifies the reader. It feels like you've come full circle. But for them to get to the end, you've got to hold them. So first you hook them and then you hold them. But to hold the reader isn't easy. We're battling for his or her attention and we all know the long list of distractions that can pull a reader away at any moment. So here are some tips. Don't slow the reader down with unnecessary information or stiff writing with complicated sentences. I mean, you can write beautifully, but those beautiful words need to add to the story or ideas and not simply pad the project. Keep your reader moving down the page. When Hemingway typed on his typewriter, he didn't really have ways to add bold or bigger fonts. That would come later with the publisher, but he could make choices that affected sentence and paragraph length, and he did. In a sense, his choices affected layout without really relying on a graphic designer because by writing tight and breaking up paragraphs, he naturally left more white space. And this helps the reader move forward because she's not intimidated by a big block of text. Short sentences free the reader from maintaining close attention. So in this age of distraction, you're making it easier for her to follow the storyline or take in the information when you offer it in smaller chunks. For those drawn to classic novels, this can be frustrating. We want to emulate our heroes who write in a leisurely style of pre-television, pre-internet, pre-social media eras. But we don't live in those eras. We have television, we have internet, we have social media. So play with variations to see if you can write the way you want while still holding your reader's attention. And once you're known for a style and tone, you might be able to get by with longer, cumulative, compound complex sentences because your fans already love to sit with your words and soak them in. But if you're just starting out or you're trying to move into new audiences and reach out into the world, you'll probably have better luck hooking and holding your reader if you write tight, focused sentences that lead the reader easily through the text to get to the point. If you use the Hemingway app where you can paste in some of your content, it will analyze it and it will flag the long sentence and I recommend that you heed that warning and rework it. Today's online reader responds well also to short paragraphs. Now this doesn't mean that every line has to stand on its own, but pay attention to how you yourself read when you're online and see how you feel when you hit a big block of text. Do you sort of resist? Do you scroll past it? Do you click away? I mean, sometimes we feel like we just don't have time to dig into it when that same content could have been divided into smaller chunks, and when that happens, we often breeze right into it without stopping, and it doesn't occur to us that we didn't have time. So online, especially, give your ideas space to breathe on the page. In print, I think maybe you could get by with writing standard paragraphs because someone who picks up a book is already committing to spending some time with the material. But even on the page, I I find myself appreciating the author who delivers their ideas or stories efficiently. Every detail needs to earn the right to be there, moving the story forward or effectively illustrating a point. Now we have a lot of tools at our disposal these days to assist us that don't rely exclusively on our words. Those of us who publish our work as articles and blog posts have layout and design options to help us hook and hold our readers. If you use subheadings to label sections, your reader can easily skim through to see if the information will be interesting or relevant to her. Subheadings are a tool in that way, a gift. In fact, Inserting subheadings can help the writer find focus, organization, and flow as they draft. You'll also hold your reader longer if he can glance down and see a list is coming. So use numbered lists and bullet points online and in nonfiction projects like books and articles. Writers these days need to understand the importance of how visuals and images enhance how the reader interacts with our words. Images can break up blocks of text, illustrate points and add context or interest to the written word. They can be photos, if you have permission to use them, or images, something as simple as a pull quote on a color background. And images allow us to do something really practical that is helpful to the writer, which is allow people to create an interesting pin on Pinterest. When your pin is on Pinterest, it lets your article live in perpetuity so people can find your content for a long, long time. So think like a magazine editor when you're putting your project together and ask what kind of image would help here? Well, where would it best fit? So play with sizing and placement. I mean, if you can afford it, hire a graphic designer to do it for you. Or maybe the designer could create some templates you can use that will fit your color and style theme and save you some time down the road. We can pull out all the stops with professionally designed images and bullet points, but if the content doesn't deliver, who cares? If we promise to solve a problem in the headline and then dance around it without offering a solution, our reader is going to lose interest and trust. So resist the urge to craft a clickable headline that you aren't able to address in the content of your project. Also, readers will turn to writers when the writer is an authority on a topic or an expert, but vulnerability will build trust and offer a different kind of ethos and a different kind of hook and hold. When we open up about our own struggles, readers will feel a connection. They're curious to find out how we resolve our problem or deal with our challenges. If they struggle with the same problems and challenges, they might not even care how we ourselves solve it. But they'll be searching for solutions that they can apply to their own lives, so they read on. Inject your creative, original ideas to add meat and depth to a topic. Make connections that others haven't made. Express it in your unique voice to offer value to your reader. I mean, that keeps me reading when I'm trying to figure something out or I want to learn something new. Whether they use a lively, entertaining style or a thorough, thoughtful, pensive tone, I will stick with the writer who gives me what I'm looking for and they'll hold me as a reader. So this is where your curious, creative, productive writer self can bring it home. You've got great ideas. Share them in your unique voice in ways that readers appreciate. Now there's a simple question that we can ask. I sometimes forget to ask it and it's this. Does this sentence make me want to read the next sentence? Does one idea lead to the next? Does this paragraph make me want to read the next one? If the answer is no, the reader may abandon ship. They may click away. So in self-editing, I need to remember this so I can liven up my prose, slice away the parts that are dragging down the text to keep my readers engaged. And you can do that too. So next time you're writing, well, next time you're editing, ask yourself, does this sentence make me want to read the next one? I saw a cartoon the other day that showed a courtroom, and there was a witness on the stand pointing to a man, the defendant. She's shouting, yes, that's him. That's the author of the book that grabbed me and wouldn't let me go. Okay, we want to be that author, guilty as charged. Yes, we wrote books, screenplays, short stories, and articles that grabbed our readers and wouldn't let them go. So hook your reader at the very start, hold them throughout the piece, and deliver the goods all the way to the end. I'm Ann Croker, cheering you on as a writing coach in your ear, everywhere we may meet, my website on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in your inbox here on this podcast over at Patreon or even in person. I'm always looking for ideas to share with you that will help you achieve your writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. Thank you for listening.